Hey everyone, Kate here, and introducing you to this episode with the amazing Yemi Penn, who we had the pleasure of meeting a few months ago at a Women in Tech event. Yemi is an engineer, CEO, founder of multiple businesses, author, podcast host and F45 franchise owner. Yemi has experienced a lot of adversity throughout her life and has done the work to ensure that her past experiences don't define her future. She helps us realise that every person can have their own unique path to success. We don't have to follow the conventional route that society often tells us is the only way. Just a note to say that this conversation was recorded back in March before the coronavirus pandemic and recent media coverage of the Black Lives Matter movement, so these topics haven't been addressed in this episode. In support of the Black Lives Matter movement, we wanted to share some local Australian organisations that support First Nation Australians. If you want to spread the word or show your support in any way, please visit the resource link on this episode's blog post at keypay.com forward slash podcast. We hope you enjoy the episode. So hi, Yemi, and welcome to our studio. Kate and I met you at a Women in Tech event in Canva a couple of months ago where you were on the panel and your story and your whole vibe were just so inspiring. I nearly jumped on top of you to get you to be a guest. You kind of did. Yes, I, I, did. I literally did. It was very embarrassing. Um, um, so uh, you've, you've lived through quite a lot. You've, your life has been quite, I guess, intense. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, so you've lived through childhood abuse, mm-hmm. homelessness during mm-hmm. your pregnancy when you were 24, yep. and a whole host of other challenges. Mm-hmm. And you've managed to take all of that and put it into a really successful career and becoming a millionaireess. Oh, um, I can't stand <laughs> hearing that word, but that's my whole money story. I'll come on to that another time. Yeah. Um, do you want to start off by telling us a little bit about your background and your story and we'll take it from there? Okay. So it's funny because I did an interview earlier today for MedTech. It was just talking about, once again, people being able to change their stories. And every time I tell mine, um, I have to manage not cringing. But I'll be honest with you, the truth of the matter is I think we all actually have a story. So I just want to put that out there. We all have a story and, and this is mine. But when I relive it, it just makes me think, damn, did I really go through all of that? And I'm still not 40 years old. So we can pack a lot in a short space of time. So I guess if I was to start off my story, look, I was, I was, and and I will summarize, I was born in London, but really grew up in Nigeria. So my mum was this really clever woman who would always go back to London when she was pregnant. And that was six times to be clear. (laughs) And I think she would do that for foresight. Then there was a lot of I guess, good relationships between parts of Africa and the UK. So even though I was born in London, I had a big part of my childhood in Nigeria. And I guess that has a lot to do with who I am, because as I explained earlier today in in this other interview, I was a majority in Nigeria. And then when I would come back to London, I'd become a minority. And that in itself probably started to create some sort of identity conflict. Mm. But going back to the time in Nigeria, and I know you mentioned it and I'm open, it's in it's in my book. I talk about, you know, the, the sexual abuse, which had me, this was around when I was seven years old that I remember. 
But if I fast forward to where I am today, because I try not to, to spend too much time in the pain, but I acknowledge there is pain and we all have, you know, I think every single one of us has experienced some form of trauma. And I don't believe that one, you know, supersedes the other. It's personal to us. And I try not to focus on the pain too much. It, it, this has taken me work. It hasn't been easy. But what I want to focus on is what that incident or what that event did for me. So firstly, it kind of robbed me of my voice because then I just wouldn't speak up. I would hide. And what that event did was cascade into everything I would do as a teenager. So whether I was the quiet person in school or I wasn't the one who would respond if a you know teacher asked a question and I'd take that into my adult life and I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't talk in a meeting. I wouldn't ask a question. And a lot of this was for fear of being seen. So... For me, I guess the work, if I was to fast forward from that incident in childhood to now, it's I have to keep doing the work to find the real Yemi who hasn't been kind of altered by this incident. So I just wanted to touch on that because I don't I don't want to avoid it. Um, and I guess after spending parts of my childhood in Nigeria, we relocated, well, I did, me and my siblings, some of us, in the mid-90s back to the UK. And I guess that's where that real contrast was of being a majority and minority, but for me, I was oblivious. And, and I think that's definitely been a positive. And I would have gone to school with my year, I can't remember, year nine, and literally, you know, stayed in school and finished up until my degree where I studied engineering. And I, look, I would have gone through a range of thoughts and emotions because I was following this thing called the memo, as you know, in my book, did you get the memo? And it was a case of, okay, you go to university you know, you ideally find the love of your life, you get married, you have a kid. And I think I was already a little bit rebellious because I found this guy, tall, dark, handsome. And I was, I was, I'm the quite rebellious one. So I'm not the one who's going to go out drinking and smoking in her teens. I'm the one who's just going to do what feels right for her, even though it really, you know, is bothers a lot of people. And so myself and my then partner decided to have, you know, my daughter at this time. So that this this was planned. This was, you graduate, mm, I don't feel like getting married just yet. So let's just have a baby. We think love is going to be indefinite. And like literally I was 120% sure this was it. And this is why I ask people to either write a memo or create their own. Because everything we do feels so right at the time. And needless to say, things didn't work out the way I wanted. I'm mean, more than happy for you to ask specific questions, mm. but fast forwarded to being a single mum. And, and that kind of repeated itself again when I did get married a couple of years after and just felt like I was in the same spot. And that for me was probably when I really hit my crisis point in around 2014, 2015, when I relocated to Australia and just thought, okay, so a series of things have happened and you're still not living your best life. You're still struggling to get that extra holiday with the kids. And I just, I thought, okay, I have to pretend as if I've been born again in the most non-biblical sense. What would I do that has to be unreasonable, appear irrational to make the change and create the life that I want? Oh, that's like extremely powerful, like how to sort of detach from the way of thinking that's been that all of your experiences have led you to Yes, be, dropping them and thinking, right, how would I go about this if I felt like I had privilege from day one? Correct. And, yeah. and I think I mean, you hit you hit the nail on the head. It's 
if we can think about, you know, people usually say things never happen to you, they happen for you. Mm. And what they mean is at some point, no matter what happened, is going to be of benefit, whether it's the end of that relationship or the end of that job or not getting something. There's usually, if you have an open mind, there's usually a reason and powerful outcome. However, I completely acknowledge that when we're in it, it is so hard to see. And that's why I I keep a tribe around me who can check me and say, well, remember that time when you thought this was really hard and you got over it? And when I hear that, I'm like, okay, I've I've got this. As you said, everyone has had some form of trauma mm-hmm. um, and that can really shape the person you are, but that you can take some of that and really use it as a sort of positive enforcement for the future. So. Absolutely. And look, I, I want to give another context. I always give this story. I remember being in, um, at an event and this guy um, stood up and he explained that his marriage was failing and it was failing because he couldn't communicate. And then an activity took place and it, we, it took him back to a point when he was five years old in kindergarten and he had a fishbowl and he had fish in there. And what happened was another boy in his class smashed the glass out of his hand. It cracked and the fish died. For him, he was so upset with himself that he just shut off from the world. I mean, that's a traumatic event. I, I may not get it. But that is a traumatic event for a five-year-old. Mm. And I think this is the reason, not think, it's the reason why I do the transformation work I do is that unless we take the time to get comfortable with being uncomfortable on an event that appears to be minuscule, but has actually gone and impacted everything to the, to the point that it affects your marriage and your relationships, then it's worth looking into. Not to stay in it, but looking into it, observing it and saying it doesn't work for me anymore. How am I truly, how do I truly operate? Mm. Yeah, wanted to share that. Something that I often think about, about experiencing trauma in childhood, is it? it's so unfair that you have to deal with the trauma at the time Mm. and then you have to like do the work to undo all the damage that it causes you Mm. in order to just just get by, never mind be successful in life. Like how do you, how did you sort of detach from... Or how did you like recreate your story? Yeah, I I love that question. And I love the bravery in asking because I don't think I've had anyone yet. You know, I I think people are still trying to get comfortable with being uncomfortable. Um, So thank you for asking that question. I'll be honest, I haven't detached. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I, I don't know if there will be someone who can. I haven't detached. However, what I do try to do is remove myself from the incident in particular that I can remember. And I remove myself by almost applying the principles of meditation, which is to be now. So right now I am 37-year-old Yemi sitting in this room speaking to you two lovely ladies. So I've had to do the work. I'm conscious that I need to look after my inner child because I believe she got lost. And so that's the work I need to keep doing. And that's why now... I try to, I have to schedule fun into my calendar. So it takes work and I don't think it's detachment, but I also focus on what my purpose is. And my purpose cannot be realised if I stay in seven-year-old Yemi. Yeah. Yeah, that totally answers my question. And and it's just, I think it's just uh, really brave and honest to admit that you know there isn't an end point to healing always as well that you're in it and you're constantly working and constantly trying to trying to overcome while juggling your three businesses yeah. and 
is it two children? Two children. Yeah. Yes. Yes. There's pretty a lot of shit. Pretty yeah. amazing. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. So you recently released your first book. Yep. Did you get the memo? Mm-hmm. Um, and that goes into sort of a lot of detail about your road to success. Um, could you just tell us a bit about who that book is written for? Yeah. It's a good, good. It, to be honest, it's been ri- written originally for my kids. I had this ridiculous fear that I'm just going to die like soon. Like we don't talk about death enough and there's a chapter in the book and I call it time. Um, And so I wanted to just get things out, especially because it appeared that I had messed up in what this thing was called memo. You know, I had two kids, two different dads, not married. It was just, it was messy according to the memo, according to how it's meant to be. And I, you never want to, you never want to load a child with your story and say, this is what happened. So I just thought, let me just get it down. And then I thought, but you might want other people to read it. And then I thought, okay, so why don't I make this and talk about things? And so I started sharing my story more with people. Like if someone asked, typically I'd be embarrassed if I was, you know, to say I was divorced or I had to. So I started talking about it more. And then when I did, they had a story Mm. and it was probably slightly more jacked up than mine. And I'm like, (laughs) okay, (laughs) because we're all screwing up in this. And look, I say that with jest and genuine joke. I'm trying to make you, you know, light of it. But once I found out that there are actually lots of people, you know, my last, my final book launch in December was hosted by a Channel 9 presenter. And I'm sure she won't mind me saying this, but, you know, she shared the fact that she got completely ambushed for not wanting to have kids, you know, like completely ambushed. There was an outcry. Like, why is everyone holding everyone to the same standard? Mm. And why are we? And and, and I don't want to feel like I'm trying to blame other people because we have to include ourselves in that. Um, but why are we? So I, I wrote this. I honestly wrote it for everybody. Um, and that's such a big, huge statement and, you know, a really big dream because, you know, the ultimate dream is that it gets to number one. It becomes another version of Chicken Soup for the Soul where I can get more people to tell their stories. But really, it's for everyone, I guess, because I'm silently and maybe not so silently during this podcast trying to create some sort of mini revolution <laughs> the industry and the way we work is is not working for everyone mm-hmm. so i want to I, I guess i want to start some sort of club for those who are okay to change it and, and make the world a better place as a result but yeah. i do think it's happening like i do think this little revolution that you're trying to push forward i think you know we've had other um podcast guests on here that have mentioned like about just bringing your real self to work yeah. and how it's like just less stressful to show up to work as yourself and be yourself and you connect more mm. with like yes. your customers and you know your uh, your co-workers and all that kind of thing so yeah viva la revolution yes, <laughs> yes. she said it she said it uh, yeah people just relate to people that are being genuine mm. i think there's so much of that and and like b- bigger businesses a lot of the time and even even smaller ones where people are sort of trying to act like this person that they think is impressive but really like it, it comes across and it, I think that then translates into the culture and it just everyone right. starts to try and be that person that they're actually not so this is yeah it's a great message to yeah. send out and it's refreshing I'm, I'm glad you're the guest are saying that it's refreshing bring your whole self to work you will not only probably save three hours in a day because trust me the the work it takes to try to be something else is exhausting. Yeah, sure exhausting. Is. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Um, so we've spoken a lot about the challenges that you've faced and um, some of the obstacles that you've overcome in your journey. Mm-hmm. Um, but want to talk about maybe your your first business and mm. what was what excited you most about that? 
when money. you first started off <laughs> money 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 um, let me put it into context yeah. um, so when I relocated to Australia um, that was six years ago I moved over my daughter was seven years old my son was seven months I was on the brink of divorce I had a good job I was getting a th- you know six-figure salary you know I was I was doing all right it was more than what I was getting in London however as you ladies know Sydney is not cheap Mm-hmm. And so, yes, it was allowing me to get the basics, but I wasn't able to live anymore. Like I was from the UK living in Sydney and it turned out my salary could not pay my bills and get us back to London once a year. And that was when I had to have an internal conversation with myself. And I remember the first thing I did was request more money and I didn't do it in an arrogant way. I really I wanted to let them know that I can add value. And in adding the value, it can increase your bottom line P&L. And that worked. And that was great. And then when I got the more money, I realized, huh, maybe it's not money I'm after. Maybe it's freedom. And freedom is one of my biggest values. And it doesn't mean that you can't work for an employer who gives you the freedom. But I think the freedom I wanted, as I've now noticed, was so huge. Like I literally could work on five different projects in one day. And there was no job I felt in the world that was going to give me that variety. So it was for me to create it. So I guess the first thing was, okay, Yemi, why not start your own consultancy? Still provide the same services as I was doing in my regular employment job, but be in control of the work I do. Because I was also tired of being told which projects to work on. I didn't, I only had like 20% say in it. And I really wanted 80% say. I understand there's a business to run, but I wanted 80% say. I wanted to believe that if I enjoyed the project I was working on, I would do this in my sleep. I would do it on Saturday. I wouldn't complain. And that was the big catalyst. So it it was a mix of genuinely trying to get more money, but it was freedom and and choice. And that was, you know, a, a project management, you know, engineering management consultancy that I started. And it was just me. It was just me to begin with. I was just trying to survive with my kids. And, and now I'm ready. Now I'm at the stage to grow. And I've just recently employed more people. So the intent is to grow that. But that that was probably my biggest leap. It was my biggest leap because I'd gone from being an employee to setting up my own. I had to find my work. That's something we're not trained in school. Mm. I, I mean, I, I could be wrong, but I wasn't I wasn't, I've, I've definitely been taught, according to the memo, that I will always work for someone. They have to offer people an alternative. Some people are fine with that, and that's good. Some people love the structure and the routine. I don't mind routine. I'm not a big fan of structure. I like to create my own. So I really think they need to offer that more. And that for me, and ah, oh, it's the best decision I've ever made, ever. The most scariest, but the best as a result. Yeah. Um, you, you mentioned sort of... Um being sort of embarrassed with your backstory mm. and sort of not wanting to share that and then taking the leap to share that. Mm. And, you know, I guess like we sort of, we tend to believe the stories that people tell us about what a successful person looks like. Yes. And that sort of gets into our psyche. Um, you know, how much work did you sort of have to do to even like ask for more money? Like how did you mm. get yourself there mentally to sort of start seeing your value in spite of this story that we've all been told about yeah. who, what a successful person is? Look, it's a word that gets sometimes overused, but it was personal development. I mean, you ladies are doing it. What you're doing is you're creating a platform for people to share. I, I didn't at the time, but just listening to podcasts would have been great back then. So for me, it was articles. For me, it was going on YouTube and sometimes just typing in how to ask for more money, how to have confidence. And I came across this article 
and I can't remember, but it was something along the lines of whenever you go for a new job or or something, they usually some of them usually ask how much are you currently on, and that's not the re- don't respond to that question. Respond to your own question. Say this is what I need and what I believe I'm worth and the value I will bring to make me move to your company to make me move to the next position, and just those words completely reframed how I valued myself like I'm still working on my money story it's one of my workshops you know and it's all about my value you know truth of the matter is none of us can put a price on who we are what we do but for the sake of exchange of services and products we have to but it's still okay to value myself so for me I did that by by literally learning I I model and watch people the investment I've placed in my personal development would make anyone want to throw up because the numbers are far too big but it's been so worth it so worth it and if I was to ever sit down and do the math it's probably given me back you know four times the amount and this is the reason why I'm doing what I'm doing as well because I I want people to know the benefits of personal development investment. That's really interesting because I feel like I mean I've always had a bit of a sort of self-confidence issue Mm. throughout life but I think only in the last few years I've, I've really sort of overcome that I'm not completely over it but I feel like experience is giving is is giving me the confidence to know that actually yeah you you do do good work and yeah you do bring value but I kind of wish that my younger self had known that so do you have any advice for someone starting out that it might have and it might be due to past experiences they might have some self-confidence issues and how how you can just get those people to just go for it if only you knew how difficult and timely that question is. So my daughter <laughs> turns 13 in under a week. And this is something that is rife. The confidence, the lack of self-belief, whether in how they look or what they can do. And so I'm currently now battling with what can we do and how early should we be doing it? For both girls and boys, how early should we be doing it? And even though I tell her, you know, I, I tell her, we were talking about race, you know, a couple of days ago, you know, we, we are a stark minority. People still, you know, look for differentiations. And so this has been a hot topic for us. And I was just kind of telling her what she should say when someone says something. Like I was just trying to, you know, take away the heat from what they say and for her to own the conversation. And she looked at me and said, but mum, I don't have your confidence yet. And and that made it difficult because she's right. I, I've worked yeah but what do you tell someone who is still trying to figure out who they are and that they actually believe you because one thing I know for sure is that when I was trying to get pregnant with my daughter I was sure this is this was the way to go and I'm assuming they do as well when you're at that age you think this is the world it is so sure this is how I feel there's nothing else so I guess the downside is there's almost nothing I'm going to say that's going to get to them but I guess the only advice I would say is what do you think your older self would say or feel based on the decision or the things you are telling yourself today? Because the only person they're going to listen to is themselves. I did it. I was going to always make my own decisions. You know, I told my daughter literally yesterday, I said, what I need you to do is put me secondary. Focus on yourself. If you are about to make a decision, yes, there's a possibility I'm going to think it's a dumbass decision. But you've got to be comfortable with what you're doing first. Forget about me. Stop think, Stop worrying about what me, your friends and other people focus on you. If we actually taught people to be, hmm, stay with me, a little bit more selfish in the sense of self-preservation, where they looked after themselves and didn't care what anybody else thought, 
they would probably make decisions that would make them succeed and not the other. And and that, uh, you see, I didn't even know I was going to say that. I don't think I've ever said that. But that really is, is what it is. But it has to be they are truly loving themselves. They don't care what Tim thinks. They don't care what Sarah thinks. What do you think? How are you going to feel now? How are you going to feel in five, ten years? Forget everything else. Yeah, I, that's, I think that's really, really good advice. Like just allowing even like young kids to be aut- autonomous and to yeah. know, like be aware that they have autonomy over their decisions and their life yeah. is huge. Because I think many of us grew up in places where, you know, like families that we didn't feel like we had any autonomy at all Correct. to make any decisions. And when you grow up like that, you get to decision-making age and it's like, oh, I have, I can make decisions. What? Mm. Like... So I totally agree with you. Because <laughs> I didn't know I was going to say that. So yes, I'm glad it landed well. <laughs> um, so part of what uh, Penny Consulting does is uh, you help execs put together the right teams and systems for, you know, to create success. Mm-hmm. And you also like promote diversity through those projects. Yeah. Um, what advice would you have for like managers, hiring managers who may be looking at like a traditional hire yeah. in comparison with somebody who might, um, not look, I guess, amazing on paper, but they they have a strong feeling that that person yeah. has got the goods and they can deliver. I, I'll be surprised if there isn't an organisation out there who is doing recruitment in a really non-traditional way. I mean, I, I don't think I've updated my CV in about two years and I'm sure that's not going to get me too far if I ever decided to go for looking for a traditional job. But we've we've got to start trying to lift people's personalities outside of the CV we're going to a world where things are changing. Um, I think one thing is either to find a recruitment that does some sort of, and once again, I know people talk about bias. The minute you see their face or their name, there might be bias. Um, I'd, I'd introduce organisations to say that's actually what you do want now. You want to almost see and look at people and make sure you are bringing people in who look, act, speak, respond differently to you. You know, we talk about, We even talk about biodiversity of the world, whether it's the different animals and plants we have. Why would you want it any different in your organisation? That's what creates the music. So what I would be suggesting to managers is you should be seeking out people who are different from you. You should be, and doing it from the, you know, there's something you said earlier about, you know, the, the work you guys do, you know, people before profit. You will always get the profit if you focus on the client, whether they're technology or they're human beings. But if you focus on that and get a diverse range of people, it can be so strong. You just have to um, you have to be comfortable that your way might not be the only way. And I say that, you know, I, I run three businesses. Penny Consulting does have diversity, but sometimes I still struggle. I have I'm in conflict when someone thinks very different to me. But what I do is I really suppress my ego and just try to listen with a real clean it's not easy because we've been taught differently we've we have all most of us have been taught that the way to live life is xyz we may have gone and started living it yz but we are social that's the only way and we don't let anything else in i think if you're running a business and you just stick to xyz you're at risk of being left behind that is that is such a good analogy sort of like creating an ecosystem 
with people to sort of create exactly. that thriving I environment. That. I didn't yeah. even think yeah, about that. I love that, those systems. Yeah, amazing. that is exactly it. Yeah. Yeah. And I think you're right. Even if people are hiring, they might not be aware, but they might look at a CV and be like, oh, this person's gone to this uni and I went to that uni too. And that's where the sort of the bias and then that same sort of person comes into the role when you've just not got the diversity and that yeah. different range of thought Correct. and background. So, we know that you own a F45 gym in Brixton. Yes. Um, Neve loves F45, by the way. Oh, I've, I've, I've never quite got into it. I, I, I do like it, but it kills me. <laughs> Kate is a fitness junkie. She's like passing the bar to me right now, but she's actually the one who's... The I'm more of a like do my own. I like to set my own yes. structure rather okay. than rather than to get people to tell me what to do and watch me uh. die. <laughs> and I'm like book into classes and then cancel in the middle of the day. Oh, look, I hold no judgment I had to take a break from F45 it's not for the faint heart but yeah so F45 and fitness it's quite a contrast to your other businesses so just wanted to know why you decided to um, take on that project so probably just before university I, I definitely had some weights I had some extra weight that was keeping me warm and I remember something just happened before uni. I was just ready to let it go. And I used to go to an aerobics class, and this was in South London, Brixton. And this guy just, he would play music. He, you know, it was he was a Caribbean guy, and you'd have people with their horns. It was like it was a carnival, but you're sweating your butt off. And it was just, it was fun. And I remember thinking, I want to be at the front one day, doing that, motivating other people. And that's where my journey began. I then started to get healthier, and I became an aerobics instructor, I think, about nearly 20 years now and I remember always saying I always want I want to open a gym but I wanted to open up a gym that had a crash because I remember needing that when I had my daughter so that had been kind of like one of my first real big dreams where I did and I obviously well then I wouldn't have thought it was possible because I kind of kept it but then when I opened Penny Consulting and I started to have more access to funds I thought huh what should I do with this money? Because once again, I didn't know what to do with more money because we had just not been taught that because I'd been taught this, you know, you get your monthly salary of which your bills will probably be about 99% of that and you will borrow from the credit store to do the other things. And, and so for me, just having more money confused the hell out of me. And so once again, I went online. What do people do? They invest, they build other businesses. And I thought, what's the thing I would love? And I came across F45 in Sydney and just loved it. I loved it. It was like everything I wanted. I just couldn't change a thing. There were no mirrors. There was music. It was community meets technology. You know, I actually had human beings looking at me and smiling and high five. I mean, the high fiving got me in the beginning. Then at the end, I'm like, yes, please high five. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Validate sure me. me. Yes. <laughs> so it just really, and I just thought, what is this? <laughs> have they put something in the music, in the water? And this is just natural endorphins. And I, I just, I fell in love with it and I wanted to open one. I checked all around Sydney. They didn't have any in territories I knew of. And once again, I'm, I'm a visionary. I think everyone should know what their strengths are. For me, I see vision. And I just imagined Saturday, Brixton, the Rasta man, steel drums, boom, open an F45 in Brixton. And then two years later, it was open. Amazing. That's, that's the story. That is amazing. <laughs> just imagine it, guys, and like, laugh. <laughs> oh, I promise you, it wasn't like that. But it does start with the thinking. Yeah. You, have, you have to dare to think as, you know, be unreasonable. Yeah, I mean, there's, a, there's is 
a huge value in like being able to see yourself in certain situations <laughs> I mean look you can decide if you edit this out but you 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 ladies really have to give it to yourself sometimes people need to be reminded I don't know where you would have been before of this you would have had a vision for a podcast you would have not just thought it you would have said it then your managers would have been like okay yeah let's go for it now you've got these three microphones around the table you come to the women in tech and you just you guys think yep we want to get this woman in and you go in it's literally that yeah, simple it's true you think it you say it people will jump on the vision and if you really want it and you know the reason why it will happen yep yep i think yeah and there you can also <laughs> just say something but i think yeah it's just taking a step and just being like just bloody do it yeah like, yeah because we did well we did talk about it for a while and then I was like, right, we better do this now. It's <laughs> been really good for me. And like, I would have just sat around being like, yeah, we should make that podcast. Yeah, we'll day. definitely do that one day. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that'd be cool. Yeah. Maybe we could talk about this. And like, I would have just never, it would have never happened without you just being like, we're doing this. So I'm going to go get equipment. Like, you guys, this equipment looks like legit. So I'm going to go and get this now. It makes to you make feel sure. good. It's it like, it's yeah. self care. Like real thing. I love yeah. it. Yeah. There's even like sound effects. <laughs> <laughs> Will we keep that in? Yeah. <laughs> well, we have to. Uh, um, <laughs> the wine's getting to the head. Yes. Um, <laughs> well, yeah, mate, it's been an absolute pleasure to speak to you and just hear about such an inspiring story and how Thank you've just you. put your authentic self into everything and yeah it's been it's so it's great to get your advice yeah. and thank learnings. you very much thank you very much ladies it's honestly it's been great i love these conversations awesome. so thank you great and, and before we go actually do you want to share yes. with everybody how we can get a hold of your book or where we can find you yes. on social media so my book is on Amazon Book Depository. Literally put it into Google. Did you get the memo? Um, I also have a podcast, which is on Spotify and on iTunes. And Instagram handle is yemi.pen. But, you know, best way, go to my website, www.yemipen.com. Awesome. Perfect. Thank you so much, Yemi. Right. Thank you. Awesome. Yemi is currently filming a documentary on trauma, so if you keep an eye on her website, www.yemipen.com, more information will be available there soon. <laughs>